Hey guys, Cass here. So uh, this week I wanted to discuss the new release to Netflix as of this past Friday. So August the 25th. That's right. We're going to talk about Death Note. Um, So this is going to be the very first time this has ever been adapted to American or North North American television. Um, Essentially, this is a Japanese comic um, TV series slash movie that is basically huge in Japan. People look to this film um, and uh, this character, Light Turner, as, you know, the way we kind of address Batman. It's, you know, one definitely one of their heroes. And uh, in that sense, you know, they decided Netflix, well, from what I was reading, this definitely got kind of passed around, but Netflix is the first one to really decide to take the plunge and, uh, and release Death Note. So um, anyways, I... Decided, what the hey, thought I'd give it a shot. Um, William Defoe to me, is like the world's best villain. That guy's face, his voice, his laugh, just everything about it speaks evil. Um, but just just quickly, before we dive into this, uh, this film, I just wanted to quickly take a moment um, to acknowledge the fact that uh, I... As of this morning, Toby Hooper um, passed away. Uh, if for those of you who don't know, that's the director uh, behind the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, and if that kind of gives leeway, probably in the upcoming weeks, we're definitely going to see a podcast um, brought to you by you, brought to you by yours truly. Uh, just be, uh, speaking of um, Texas Chainsaw, but anyways, let's go back to Death Note here. So our plot focuses around Light Turner. He's a brilliant student, um, but kind of a little bit of a loner. Um, but uh, essentially, he stumbles across this mysterious notebook that has the power to kill any person whose name he writes into it. There's several rules that apply. Um, as seen in the preview, he, preview um, and in the film, he's constantly kind of flipping through it, trying to figure out how this damn book works. Um, and there's also names of several previous entries. With that, he's introduced to the death god Ryuk, um, and uh, he's this nine-foot, leather-wearing, blue-and-white, spiky death god demon-like creature. It's uh, definitely pretty unique. Um, <clears throat> and basically, he kind of looms around in the shadows, but light is the only one who can see him. Uh, and Rick tests light into using it on this bully, um, and lo and behold, it works. And going from there, light decides to use this to his advantage, um, as light basically uh, lost his mother a few years earlier to a man who was able to kind of uh, basically pay his way through the courts and and get off with the uh, the crime. So um, he tests it; it works, and then begins to tell uh, cheerleader Mia Sutton uh, kind of about it what this book is and what they can do with it gives her an example and they begin dating 
with um, from this, we basically see the development of a cult uh, known as Kira, and it's essentially what the criminals are referring to, the death um, of, uh, of all these inmates in just this mysterious ways, and not to mention one particular scene where six inmates are found on death row with the word in Japanese written on the wall, and essentially no one really knows what's going on, but uh, it leads the criminals to... Um, <clears throat> to come out and basically turn themselves in. So it's sort of like this world without crime. Um, and I really enjoy the way the director kind of displays that to you. Just quickly showing these news stories and quick flashes amongst, um, you know, Light and uh, and Mia just kind of being typical teenagers in love. But, um, you know, basically from here, the police force is kind of starting to, you know, draw concerns. The police force also includes Light's dad, James. And essentially, you know, they're upset in a way because Kira's doing their job for them. But uh, it leads to the, the deeper question um, with with our our legal system because it, even though it has its flaws there is still the ability to to you know there's the ability to when you're not justly served to complain and seek out that justice um and that's something that Kira is missing as well as you know a basically a court to prove who's guilty and who isn't uh, and James brings this to light's attention and you know it definitely leads to some deeper uh questioning on Light's part. But with that, um, the FBI bring on the enigmatic Detective L, who we really don't know anything about. Um, and he basically is able to determine that Kira is operating out of Seattle. And he opens up the investigation with Light's father and the the investigation intensifies, you know, L appears on TV, he, they put a tail on Light, um, and Light definitely starts to begin to feel the pressure. So with that, um, Mia wants basically for Light to send a message so that they don't lose the the main message and the goal here, which is Kira and, and a world without crime. And he doesn't want to do that. You know, he only wants to to kill those who are guilty, and she's, she's kind of looking at a... a you know what? What are they serving without without bigger sacrifice? Um, and through basically a, a wave of chaos, you know, um, they want to know more about L to basically eliminate him. So um, Light sends his assistant Watari out to find who he is. Essentially, he's this trained detective that started out in this very um, uh, secretive uh, society at the age of six. So Watari travels to the area to find out the information, but essentially is assassinated um, because he to gain this information and basically have Watari as sort of a, um, a slave, for lack of a better word, he writes his name in the book uh, and has 48 hours before Ryuk can kill him. Uh, but Miss maintains under their their power so basically they run out of time maria kills him and um from there you know the light realizes that he's definitely got a bigger issue here not only is he dealing with Ryuk, he's also dealing with his girlfriend mia as essentially she kind of is the reason that he uh was killed because after watari goes missing l sends in um 
with uh, a warrant to look through the Turner's home, looking for more information. And Mia takes the death note. From here, she essentially, um, you know, takes the page, keeps that secretive, and then plans her own revenge and take over the book, writing Light's name in there. Uh, when Light discovers that, and all of this amongst happens during their prom night, uh, he's left with no opportunity but to basically solve getting rid of the note the death note itself uh and trying to maintain his relationship definitely didn't make the right decision though and decides to write mia's name in the book as well as setting up this elaborate plan of having several of the criminals listed on the kira website meet them and basically help solve the 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 issue now mia of course dies the Ferris wheel is lost as this was their their meeting place and uh, essentially Light is saved as he sort of planned it to fall into the water, have one of these criminals who's a doctor come resuscitate him, have one of the others come rescue the note, still giving Kira its, its main message without losing it and basically causing the heat to basically be deterred off Light as the book is returned to him. I'm sure I'm basically missing something here along the way, guys. The ending of this is really quick, and there's a lot of quick edits. Um, but uh, definitely loved it. It really kept me guessing up until the absolute very end. And um, I just, I really enjoyed how the, the characters came together. The list of actors here are some known, some not. And, uh, you know, they definitely, they were having fun in their roles, and you could tell they the passion for what they do is there, um, and they just made it really believable. I mean, at the very end, when that Ferris wheel breaks, I'm actually concerned what was going to happen to Light. Um, you don't really know what's going to happen to that page where his name is written, and they they just really kept you going to the very, very end. Now, um, I love the soundtrack. It's just great 80s, um, you know, one-hit wonders and others, and it just it added to the, um, just this tragic tale of uh of star-crossed lovers for lack of a better word now um i i did read some of the uh the reviews which we'll get into later here but i definitely don't agree with it i thought it was fairly well paced it it just it kept me guessing with the mix of the soundtrack the well act the well acted out characters i i thought they did a great job bringing forth a you know a pretty unique story essentially you know japanese stories um and that culture especially coming from comic books sometimes has a hard it can be very hard to translate over and make appealing for for our culture um i mean for any of you that have watched the ring and then you know watched the ring you there was definitely some things they dropped because it would have lost the impact i'm never seen the or read anything to do with the Japanese side of this so it'd be interesting to see what they drop to make it a little more applicable but um I personally I thought it was I thought it was great um William Defoe like I was saying earlier you know just that man was literally born to play villains uh the voice everything and I didn't realize but they did use um motion animatronics to really capture the way his face you know contorts when he's laughing uh contorts into that evil smile and it definitely reflects in the film and it's 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 
well done CGI, in my opinion. Um, you know, they could have tried to make this like Babadook, you know, something like a person and then adding in the, uh, the special effect. But I, you know what, they, they didn't lose me with the CGI. They did a really good job with it. Um, and the character I thought, I thought was really well, well done. Now, um, our actor, so Light Turner, uh, is brought to us by Nat Wolf. Um, originally a lot of people th- kept telling me, oh, that's the guy from uh, Avengers. No, that's not right, guys. This is um, Isaac from Fault in Our Stars. I don't watch chick flicks, so no idea who that is. Um, Elle definitely was really intrigued. This is Lakeith Stanfield from Get Out. Uh, loved him in that film, so it was really cool to see him have, well, a little, just a little bit more of a speaking role and just he had this Sherlock-esque kind of quality to him, which was really cool. Um, we had Mia Sutton brought to us by Margaret Qualley. She's seen in The Nice Guys. I think she's definitely one of the earlier roles with uh, the females um, that uh, that uh, are received from the pizza guy there. <laughs> but um, moving forward, James Turner is uh, Shea Wigan. I've seen him before. He's in American Hustle, Wolf of Wall Street, and definitely some earlier 90s films. Uh brought that um that uh basically veteran acting skill to the forefront and i really loved the the relationship between him and light uh they did a good job and just really believable father son you know dealt with the trauma of loss losing their their wife and mother but somehow still brought together so it was just really cool um Finally, we have Watari, which is uh, Paul uh, Wakachi. Um, looks at, up the role, just several kind of voiceovers and different video games and such. Uh, for those of you more into, you know, Japanese horror, you'd probably be able to tell me a lot more um, about this man. But sadly, I, I just don't know much. And of course, William Defoe, you know, the the villain himself, uh, Nemo, Spider Man. He just the guy just stands out. There's everything about him that just yeah, can be so creepy. Now, um, going forward, I wanted to talk about the um, production. So, like I was saying, this this was thought out like almost in like late two thousands. It wasn't until about two thousand sixteen in April that they confirmed that Netflix had bought the franchise from Warner Brothers. At this point, it had been bounced around like three or four times. Um, basically, forty to fifty million dollars um and a script brought to us by jeremy slatter and then the production officially began in bc in june of that year now uh and it would be overseen by dn canada so kind of cool that canada has its hand in this um now it was released as i said on friday on netflix so those of you who haven't seen it check it out and there was um a cool special screening i guess at this year's uh comic-con in san diego so that's kind of neat and uh like i was saying the reviews online from critics are not very good uh one quote that i found read a bad decision on top of a festering pile of bad decisions um i don't know i thought that was just well just piss poor vocabulary but outside of that it just i didn't think it was that bad i mean it was a neat crossover a great idea and was entertaining for the hour and a half. And that's what I was looking for. Um, another quote that I saw was a lazy, ambiguous, forgettable movie. I didn't think so. It definitely kind of left me thinking things over and there's definitely a really nice, good twist ending, um, in the hospital. I liked, you know, how L has that one last page. We see Ryuk and he looks at light and says, you know, 
you humans are so interesting and cuts to the credits. Um, just loved that. And thanks to that, that's basically, of course, you guys guessed it. Netflix is on board to do two movies. So the more people who check this out, the more likely they are to do the second film. Um, and that too was actually said by the director. Um, you know, he's on board to do it, but basically it all depends on how many of us check this out. Don't, you know, review Rotten Tomatoes on their review of 4.8 out of 10. I think I'd probably give it at least like a 7.5, 8 out of 10. I mean, I thought it was entertaining. Um, and just like I said, my one rule is if it makes me want to pull out a book or grab my cell phone and look at something else because I'm bored, then the film's not very good. But if essentially I don't do that and I'm hooked the whole time, then I'd say it's a pretty good indication that it's going to be a good movie. So um, if that means anything to any of you, go check it out. Um, and uh, anyways, guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Um, in celebration of that, I'd like to do um, a quick giveaway. This week, I want everyone to check out my Instagram. The details are on uh, my podcast page, so definitely check that out, guys. Um, just sign in. There's going to be a picture posted, rules to follow, and essentially a gift to give away. So I can't wait uh, can't wait to, to do that and, and see what your guys' uh, thoughts are. Essentially, from that, I uh, can't wait to go into next week's film um and uh, definitely excited as it is quickly approaching the remake already got my tickets and i'm proud to say i think i was the, the first two tickets bought in uh in my city here in in uh in canada so pretty excited for myself to go see it can't wait to talk about it for you guys um and uh yeah thanks again for listening and uh, if you guys have any comments thoughts you want to you know update me with something you want me to check out please let me know uh via twitter or instagram like i said my uh my tags are posted and uh that's signing off till next week thanks guys